Everybody, 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 drop your stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are back talking about The Traders US episodes three and four this time. Before we get into this, though, Evan, you got a message from Survivor Royalty. And maybe we should touch on that. Oh my God, it took me a moment. I was like, what are you talking about? Hmm. <laughs> I will gladly talk on that. I was one of the speakers last night during a live taping of Katie Couric's podcast. And Katie Couric is obsessed with the White Lotus, like a lot of people, us included. Um, But like us, she's one of those people that's like continuing to stay on the beat, which I really appreciate. Mm. So part of having me on was, you know, discussions about both of our thoughts on the show. And then also she's had Mike on her podcast. And obviously she knows we've had a lot of the cast on shut up Evan. Anyway, at the very end of the, the, the talk last night, she surprised me with a video, uh, filmed in Phuket, Thailand, um, from Mike white himself, um, acknowledging my existence, calling me the King. Um, and the saying MVP. That what? Called you the MVP, which I believe is a sports reference. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) Um, And I just must say, I am still, I'm so incredibly shook by it. And then I was talking to Coolidge today, and she was like, it's, you know, it's a big honor because he wouldn't do something like that. Um, And then she said something which, which she never said to me before, which is that, like, that her, I don't know, she insinuated that like she and him had had conversations about me and about his appreciation of my appreciation. Let me just say, it's all very funny that it's like, I get a lot of credit for just loving a show. Yeah. Like, it's like people like are like, you know, give me a lot more than I'm due. Um, I, you know, took screen grabs and wrote a caption and, you know, like it wasn't rocket science. But needless to say, uh, Mike White is now in our ether. He's. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I I almost emailed him today, um, <laughs> but I stopped myself. But yeah. I can't explain it. I'm just gonna say it right now because it's how I feel. Um, this might be crazy. It's like I something. Some there's a next thing that's gonna happen. I'll just say that. And I'm not. I'm. I can't explain it. Like, sorry, you're talking intuition? Your gut is telling you this? Or... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I can't... And the the degree to which I feel it, <laughs> I just feel something happening. I can't... Yeah. Honestly, it's like, this must be childbirth. Um, No, honestly, I just... I feel something growing inside of me. As Alphaba once said, something has changed inside me. Actually, she said within me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Look, I tried. I tried. Are you a musical theater person? Uh, no, but I really, I like it. I kind of wish that I was. I think that if I lived in New York, I would be. Uh, mm. I do try to go see something every time I go. I've had some, like, really, like, breakthrough moments. Uh, well, maybe just one. I think when I saw Fun Home, like, way back, I mean, when it was on Broadway... Like, that was a pivotal moment for me uh, because I was like, why? Like, I don't have access to this. And of course, like, by the time Fun Home came around to Toronto, it was like, it was old news at that point. It was mm-hmm. like at a smaller theater that was like, we don't have a Broadway, but we have like Mervish, which is like, that's going to be where the big shows go. And it wasn't even there. It was like an off sort of production. And it was like just cheaper production value and just not the same and I was like I'm so glad that I saw that on Broadway because that was so special and the production of it was so special because if I had just seen this production in Toronto I don't think I would be that crazy about this musical so it's like yeah it's hard it's a little like it's hard to access I find that like that the Broadway world world is a little inaccessible 
Yeah, that's a huge... Like it's very uh, elitist. Not I, sh- I shouldn't say it's very elitist, but like it's a little elitist. It's very elitist. It's quite very elitist. It's designed with that in mind. Um, mm. Yeah. But then you kind of say you can you could say the sports world is also elitist uh, in well, some senses, mm. and not as I mean obviously there's a continuum here, but like you could make that argument. You, you could, could also but say sports that, like, are broadcast on TV. There's that's a very good point, but also TV. Co- I mean you know TV costs money. Yeah, but not that much money. You're right. So again, continuum. But like, um, <laughs> yeah, Broadway is certainly very elitist. That's how. And it's just so, it's it. so exclusive, and it's like you have to be in a really like if you're not in New York, you're in Chicago or maybe LA. What's the other Broadway or what's the other musical theater scene? Or you're in That's London it. or you're in wherever, right? But like Toronto is known for having a good theater scene. Chicago, really, for, like, straight plays. Anyway, let's table this conversation yeah, for sorry. a Shut Up Evan episode because I am interested in deep diving musical theater with you because I think there's a bigger conversation to be had. But I'm glad we scratched the surface there. And then I can tell you what musicals I've been in. <laughs> I hope it's Fiddler on the Roof. No. Okay. You we'll might get be surprised, but we'll hold oh, yeah. that. Hold that. But... So spoke to Mike White. I also want to mention briefly before we get into Traders that I was in, I was with Sarah Michelle Geller earlier today and <laughs> yeah. I was on the elevator. So you were talking were to Jennifer Coolidge today. So you got the video from Mike White yesterday and then you were on the horn to Jennifer Coolidge today. And 47 minutes. In between your hangouts with Sarah Michelle Geller. It's true. It's been an I went to the office today, so. <laughs> and I took the subway home. <laughs> so tell me about Sarah. <laughs> so I was on like a giant elevator. This was after we said goodbye. We just happened to be sharing an elevator. Her whole team is there with my friends. And we're talking about television shows. And I was talking about the traders. And then someone else in the elevator was like, oh, my God, are you talking about the traders? I'm obsessed with the traders. At which point Sarah heard. And she's like, oh, what are y'all talking about? And I was like, oh, it's this show called The Traders. And then she was like, oh, I don't really like, you know, reality competition outside of Survivor. And I was like, oh, no, I think you'd really like this. And also Brandy's on it. And SMG loves Real Housewives. And for all I know, she watches some of the other Bravo stuff that I don't. Anyway, so she said she's going to watch it. So And she certainly knows who Suri is. Absolutely. I don't think she, I mean, maybe she would know who, I think actually, this is a good question. I'll get an answer next time we record. Does Sarah Michelle Gellar know who Stephanie LaGrosa is? You know, I've been very surprised because I, a lot of my friends have been watching The Traders. I got them on Traders UK. Now they're watching Traders US. Uh, Some of them moved on to Australia. They're that desperate for more. But Mm. the ones who know Survivor, I've been like, yeah, so, so they're like, oh, yeah, Sari, Sari, Sari. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if you remember Stephanie. And they're like, of course I remember Stephanie. And these are like casuals who wouldn't have seen Stephanie since she was playing. Um, granted, she is in Heroes versus Villains, but like, I think it's enough that people, like, it, it jogs people's memory that, oh, yeah, Stephanie, I remember Stephanie. Um, because she was on two seasons back to back. Like, we did spend a year of Survivor with Stephanie. Uh, and she was a big character on both of those Huge star. Huge star. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I have been surprised that, like, the people, the casuals that I know in my life who certainly are not listening to Drop Your Buffs, like, know, remember Stephanie. Right. And I will forever be fascinated by this Stephanie LaGrosa resurgence of 2022 slash 2023. It's just, if you, it's just so unexpected. Like I would have put so many others who I think are out of like, out of my net of sight. I would have put them in before Stephanie LaGrosa, just in terms of plausibility. Um, but hey, heartened to see that she's around and that we're talking about her. It's great. Um, okay, just, so tell me. So, that, so. Th- so just the next time that you're with uh, Sarah Michelle, do you mm-hmm. call her Sarah Michelle or do you call her Sarah? SMG. SMG. Yeah, it's just easier. Like, okay. If you so yeah, never mind. So <laughs> so next <laughs> next time you're with SMG, if you could just put a mic in her face and be like, "So, what are you thinking of the traitors?" I, I mean, that. I would be really fascinated to like spend an hour with her talking about either Survivor or the Traders. You know what? I bet you one day we'll get her. I think it would be easier to get her on this podcast than on Shut Up Evan. Hmm. 
just because I think it would be, she comes from a world in which she would never be asked to go long about something that she loves. Mm -hmm. It's kind of why she today during the watch what happens live taping. I was at, she talked about the white Lotus. I watched her appearance on the view from earlier today, which by the way, did you watch? Haven't seen it. Oh, okay. You might. I've been busy. Um, I've had to, I went to the office, came back, <laughs> had to rewatch the traders. <laughs> um, she brings up the White Lotus on the View as well, which clearly mm. it was something that she like brought in as a talking point. And then she also talked about the uh, her selfie with Jennifer Coolidge on like one of her other talk show appearances. So anyway, it's like it's big on her talking point list as she makes the rounds. But anyway, okay. So I was watching. I just finished watching episode four, fresh, right before we started recording. And something that occurred to me, because I thought of my answer to this question, but I was like, ooh, let's pose this to Sean. What would you say is the best single element of the traders? When I talk about the show, and maybe this is too broad, so if it's too broad, like, narrow me down. But I think the round table is what this show is about. Where I find I'm watching round table to round table, because the thing that intrigues me about the show is that, like I've said, I don't think the game is complex enough to be what brings you to the show. I think the game is is quite thin and sometimes doesn't even make sense. And what that does is that it creates this environment in which you have to point a finger at somebody and you need a reason and you're grasping at straws And yet you're still pointing the finger because as long as the finger is pointed at somebody that's not you, you're okay. And so it just creates this environment where like it can get personal really quickly. And, uh, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of the person being accused, if you are accused of something that you know you not that, you know, you didn't do or that you are not you get really defensive and I think people react to that differently. And I think that that's, what's really exciting to watch. It's that, like I've said always, what what brings me to survivor is not so much the strategy. It's not so much the voting. It's the interpersonal conflict. And this show is built around how to create interpersonal conflict based on nothing. Hmm. What about you? A strong answer. Um, I would say for me, it's the format of the show and just the amount of like touch points that there are around how the show works. And I guess like the most simple one I would point to is them hugging every morning at breakfast. Mm. It's just like, imagine if everyone woke up on Survivor every morning (laughs) and just went around and gave everyone a hug. It's just, there's just these formalities to how the show works. Um, even just the black cars and them all parking next to one another right outside the castle in the morning, there's just so many points of, like, relief for me around, like, ah, this just, like, moments that just feel good about how they do things that are so quaint um, and cute and not necessarily, like, necessary, but I just Mm. think work. um, And, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think it's it's a very charming show. It's very charming. Yeah. Even just in both, in the case of Claudia and Alan, the way they both operate in during the roundtable and their commitment to it, uh, both of them in their very different ways, which, by the way, like, at some point, it's worth sort of talking about Claudia v. Alan in that, like, they are both so fantastic and so different. And what a rare treat, because I think in the case of, like, Jeff Probst versus... Jonathan LaPaglia, is that how you say it? LaPaglia, yeah. LaPaglia, whatever. It's like, I do feel like Jonathan is, for me, ultimately a superior host. I do think it's a little unfair to compare them because one's just been doing it for so much longer. But in this case, with the traders, I'm like, they're both so good, but like, they're doing it completely differently in like, both who they are as people, but their like, approach to the gig. And I love them both equally. Yeah. Yeah. I so anyway, you. so you know, I don't think that you've gotten to this point in Australian Survivor, but uh, much like you call Sarah Michelle Geller SMG, do you know that Jonathan very commonly goes by JLP? 
Wow. Okay, I can deal with that. I thought you were gonna say just JL, and JL will forever be Jenna Louise for me. So I was like, I can't handle that. Well, imagine how I feel that he goes by JLP, which is forever jagged little pill to me. Oh wow, <laughs> that's personal. Wait, Sean, don't tell me that you finished season one. I haven't finished it yet. Okay, you just asking, you would text me before you watch the finale, right? Obviously, yeah. Okay, that would worry me because there were you some times know during- as I work through it because like the last episode I watched, I posted the screenshots of um, Sam the guys, and yeah. Lee. Yeah. Although I do think the ones that I had sent you of the mud challenge were hotter. Okay, well that's fine. I posted those too. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not true. a competition. Okay, wait, because there were some times when you were in your Buffy watch when, like, all of a sudden you'd be, like, finish. I, like, just powered through, like, a bunch of these episodes, and I'm like, Sean, I need, like, play-by-play of every single episode you'd watch. Like, well, sometimes I can't I'm embarrassed just... about the speed with which I'll watch something. Be embarrassed, but cop to it. Okay. Yeah, that's just how I feel. Well, I'm, I've, um, got fin- okay, I've got to finish. I'm going to finish this week because... Uh, Australian Survivor starts on Sunday. Yeah, you're you're on a time Monday. Um, okay, the other thing I want to say just before we get into the recap that I was just thinking mm-hmm. about, and I know, I don't know, I think you will co-sign. We, and we've brought this up already, you've brought this up specifically, we were so robbed of a 10-week release with this show. Totally. It is such a detriment to this show's success. It is like such a failure on the part of Peacock because I do think a lot of people are watching the show. I think more people are watching this show than expected. And I'm confident that it will get a second season and will it will become bigger in its second season. And yet, this was just such a massive fumbling of the ball because you can't talk about the show online. I even attempted to have a conversation with someone about the show today and had to kibosh the conversation because they revealed something and I was not yet, they, I'm not there yet in the show. They were super apologetic. I accepted the apology, but I was kind of like, thanks a lot, bitch. But it wasn't their fault. So I'm just frustrated about that because I I wish this was a show that I was able to connect with more people on in real time. It would be really fun in the same way that I feel like happens during Big Brother season in ways that I sort of crave with Survivor. So just a big demerit to Peacock. Yeah, it drives me insane. I hate it. I hate that, like, because I want to talk about this show. I wish we were doing a recap for every episode, but like, just just to try to rush these out, we're we're grouping episodes together, and yet, like, our rushing out is like we're already. I feel like so many people have already finished the show. I hope they're gonna like stick with us. <laughs> but I imagine, I imagine the like the listenership on these is gonna go down because like people have, will have moved on to the next thing already. Have you seen that Korean show? That Korean Netflix show that uh, is like Squid Game, where they're just testing strength and they're just like the strongest will survive, and they're doing these wild challenges. Oh my god, no! Uh, the guys are so hot it's what's it called (laughs) don't know but it just got released today and like the trailers are wild and it's just like they're it's they're starting with like a hundred people or something like that men and women and they're like we're going to find the strongest person and they're putting them basically through squid game-esque or i would say like challenge level difficulty uh physical competitions and the last one left is going to win. It's called Physical 100. And it's on Netflix hmm. now. Okay, I'll check it out. And the boys are cute. Shall we talk about episode three? Because we've got some big characters emerging here. And we're going to lose a, one of them. And this is the episode that we are going to lose Brandy Glamville. I want to get your thoughts on this because I feel like she's gone too soon. Do you agree? I would agree that she's gone too soon. And I would rather her be out now because I think that she's not right for this cast. Like Mm. they, she wasn't able to find any allies outside of Kate. And what Brandy really needed was to like discover a group. Like, okay, so you know the friendship that you saw brewing between Rachel Riley and Michael? Yeah. I feel like Brandy needed more of those connections with players mm. outside of people that she already knew. 
And I think Brandy was just at a disadvantage in that people came in there with the biggest preconceptions of who she was as a person because, you know, unlike Survivor where, you know, Suri, if if you do know Suri and Stephanie, you're going to like, their reputation is mainly about how they play the game Survivor, uh, whereas Brandy's reputation is causing chaos, but which is also subsequently why so many of us love her. There just weren't enough Brandy's cast on this show. Like Brandy's mm. such an outlier. So for me... I was actually relieved when she went home because I was like, I don't want the torment of watching her be up on the chopping block every week because you know she's never going to sit quietly at the round table. So I saw this as sort of like her time to go. Yeah, that's fair. I jumped ahead quite a bit because we did miss the, uh, (laughs) that is the end of the episode, but the (laughs) traitors did murder Bam, whoever that is. Yeah, not sure. So <laughs> goodbye, Bam. Barely knew ya. Um, but bye, bye, bye. I liked this idea because when we when you were watching the Traders UK, I believe, you were kind of like, what is the strategy here? Because why wouldn't the traders just pick randomly who to kill? And that's basically what they're doing <laughs> here. Yeah. Right? Uh yeah. you did say that, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing. And I kind well, of yeah, like that I, yeah. that's what they're doing and that, and that they're vocalizing that, that they're just like, let's create a pattern in which you cannot find a pattern. Well, especially like, you know, as we've pointed out, this game, there is no logic, but I think it's especially illogical in the beginning because at least once you get down to like the middle and towards the end, you can point some suspicions, even if they're not really rooted in much. But at this point, it's like, Not only do we, the audience, not know all of these people, but ostensibly neither do the contestants. And so, yeah, they're just like, what choice do they have but to be random? Unless they are to go with people like Brandy, who they solely know from their reputation that precedes them. So, Well, the the question they had at the end of the last episode was that Brandy had determined that the traitors were, I think, like she said, Michael Christian Sari. Right, so that was a good reason to take out Brandy, but might have been too obvious to the other players who were like, okay, well, wait a second. Why would that person get murdered? Who did they think the traitors were? Is it because she was on to them? Right. So like, that's one way you can play. Um, And I'm going to be very curious to see how this pans out moving forward because it's like, do you in the future assume that nobody's ever going to get taken out because of their suspicions. And then does that as a trader allow you to take out somebody who's suspicious of you quite easily? Mm. It's a good question. So, uh, so they, so that's why they didn't take out Brandy. That's why they took out Bam. But the Kate Brandy, Michael saga kind of continues throughout this episode. And I do have to say, I appreciate Michael for, being a normie coming into this show and sort of like standing toe to toe with the celebs because he's the only one that seems to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's just been a strange acclimation between these. It seems like there's like two casts on this show. I would say outside of Michael, you also have Christian, but a lot of Christian's Christian's characters mainly developed through his role as a traitor. Mm -hmm. And then like we got, I'm going to call her blonde woman for now. The woman that had to leave the room because she was having a breakdown. Yeah. Okay. Azra. I think that was Azra. Okay. That's her big moment. And then, not to be insensitive, but we have the character who they're up. They're so frightened of being upside down. What? Andy. Andy. Okay. So Andy's so frightened of being upside down. But they ultimately do it because it's it was very giving me Noel from Survivor or mm-hmm. every other Survivor contestant ever as far as being just like, oh, wait, no, not Noel, um, Jesse. Uh, well, bo- both of them, really. But it was just like, I'm going to do this to prove to people that, like, you can do this. And it's like, what are we proving here that you can be, like, strapped in to a vertical merry-go-round with skeletons on it and not, <laughs> you know be injured like i don't know i thought that was overwrought but like 
I could appreciate that moment if it was like Brandy delivering it, but like Andy to me is just like not primed for television just yet. And so the moment was like given really earnest or like if Rachel Riley had done that moment, like I think it would have landed differently, but Andy, I'm just kind of like, I don't know you. But also, like, Rachel Riley would never have that reaction no, to Rachel that Riley would be spinning like, wheel. Rat me in, yeah. Which is, like, so innocuous. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't, uh, yeah, I, do, I, I don't know. Like, I do feel bad being, like, your fear is invalid. But yeah, in this I case, also, I think it is. It's invalid. Um, <laughs> I'm saying it. But I also feel like this was the wrong challenge to bring in so early. Because I do really like this challenge. And I do think it can be... I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, helpful to the roundtable. But can at least instigate some conversations mm. for the roundtable. But the problem is, because Michael has, for these first three episodes, really been... What's it called when you're, like, the wanted criminal... The most wanted criminal, something number uh, one. Yeah, isn't it most wanted? No, but there's like a term, like uh, public enemy number one. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Because, yes. because, <laughs> because From Michael the famous has been musical public- uh, mm. anything goes. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> um, because Michael's been public enemy number one for these first four episodes, really, we should say any of like the difficult questions either went to Michael or to Kate. When you want Mm. there to be more like variables in the mix at this juncture, I really enjoyed it on UK because I felt like there were more dynamics within the cast and I feel like it revealed more. Um, Also, I thought it was strange that like not everyone got to go. So not everyone was like eligible to be like, Mm. you know, have an inquisition of some kind. Um, So again, it's like, why not present this challenge when you have 15 people or I don't know, just make it so that everyone is able to participate. Yeah, and I have to say, looking at the people on this wheel, I realized that Ryan Lochte is on the show, and then realized immediately after that he's not on the show. Mm, yeah. Like, like he has no presence that. whatsoever in this program. Concur. I will say one of my favorite moments of the series so far is there's a moment right before they're quote unquote going to bed at the castle and uh, they're going upstairs and Ryan makes a joke being like, um, well, good night everyone until I die tomorrow. And then Sari kind of like pushes him gently and they're just such an unexpected friendship. And I just, I mean, first of all, I'll get to my, to Sari in a little bit, but I will just say like, that's one of those moments where it's like Sari has one of the most unique talents that I've ever witnessed in a person in that like, she can just become friends with like anybody Mm. and it's a true friendship and she's not dumbing herself down. Like she just can see someone like Ryan and find genuine enjoyment in him. Whereas I would be like, this is a dodo bird. I don't have time for him. Like the way Suri pushed him, I was like, she likes him. And honestly, my reaction was if Suri likes him, he must not be that bad. <laughs> like, but yeah, so that I really like that moment with him. Uh, do we, do you need to talk about Sari at all? Can I? Absolutely. So anything I think to say? I do have something to say. So I think I might have come across a little bit mid on episode one. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I will say that I completely take back what I said, particularly after finishing episode four. I would say Suri is the star of the Traders US Mm. so far. And I have reason to believe that if she's not the star all the way up until the end, she will be the star until her flame flickers. I just feel like she is bringing, even in the moments when it's like not even about her, like even during the challenge um, when they were doing the church bells, it's like, I was like, where's Suri? Like Suri needs to be the one that brings the thing over to Alan and gets it approved. I love the way Alan Cummings says Suri's name. Um, I I love her confessionals, by the way. I think we've had three so far from her. I just feel like Suri is... It's like, I am so glad that she is on this show. And I also couldn't help but feel like, where the fuck has she been? And I don't mean that as a problem for her. I'm like, why the fuck has, if not Survivor, then The Amazing Race? Or like, why aren't the people that like handle reality television of any kind, what were we doing like waiting on Sari? Like she is so clearly primed for this. Like 
get her on Jeopardy, get her on you know, Celebrity uh, Poker Night, like whatever, whatever <laughs> there is that can be gamed out, yeah. cast Suri. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, imagine Suri on Big Brother. That would be good. That'd I think she would be great at Big Brother. But I need her to win. I may even so- watch it. No, but I'd be like devastated if she went home. But yes, I would love her. But like, I, I don't know. It's just like she's so, she has so many of the elements that work from both the like character on television perspective and just like, as I was saying, like someone that can look at someone like Ryan Lochte and form a genuine connection. That's what you want. I think what's missing from so much reality shows, namely one that we talk about here on this podcast is just people genuinely connecting. And Suri is just incredible at connecting with people. And that is such an incredibly rare attribute in a person like beyond just taking back what I said about being like mid about Suri last episode, I also will just say like, I think Suri is like a special human being beyond just person on reality television. Like I am really, yeah. And, and, and Mike White, she should be on season three. Avoid yeah. that. Yeah. Tell Mike White. Tell I want to know. To tell Mike White. Like, I, like, could we get, an hour of a Mike White on Drop Your Buffs where we deep dive Suri. Like, when we get Mike, I don't really, like, want to do our standard interview where we, like, go We're through We're not talking everything. David versus Goliath. No. No. It's like, let's mention characters or specific scenes. We'll have them queued up and ready. But it's like, so for instance, Mike White, one minute on the clock, talk Suri Fields. Yeah. Go. Mike White, here is a 1.5 second musical cue from season one of Survivor. Did this inspire the White Lotus? Yes. I was also going to say, Mike White, (laughs) sorry. Here is a musical cue of that woman that you love, Sean, with that clip that you love where she says, I'm a very good actress. And get Mike White's reaction to that. Who is that? Karen? Karen. 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 Yeah. What did she say? It's I'm a very good actress, right? Very good, right? I'm a very good actress. Very good. Okay, yeah. Like, I want Mike White. Yeah, I want Mike White to react to that clip. I want Mike White to talk about Stephanie. Hello, Mike White. Tell me your thoughts on Ian and Tom and and, and Katie during the final challenge in Survivor Palau. Like, we could go on and on and on. Mike White, tell me your thoughts about Ethan and Jenna on Amazing Race. Mm. Mike White, tell me your thoughts about that guy's exposed penis in the season premiere of Survivor Gabon. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> yeah. Mike White, tell me your reaction to Brenda seeing her father in Survivor Cambodia and that reaction shot of Brenda losing her mind. Mike White, tell me your reaction to Brenda telling Dawn to take her teeth out. Mm. Mike White, last, last <laughs> one. <laughs> you know, in the game we played last time about the 1 to 100, you know I cut like five of those. You did? I had to. It was going on forever. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Could I just say, I would be curious for people listening, when Sean and I tangent, I always imagine it as like one of the great things about this podcast, (laughs) but there could also be a world in which it's like, you guys, like fucking, is this a traitor's podcast or not? Yeah. Anyway. You never know. Meanwhile, we're like talking about anything goes. Like, what's your favorite musical, I think they cut Public Enemy number one from the revival. I think, didn't they also cut cut They added so much shit. Yeah, and uh, what's the one? I get a kick out of you, I feel like they cut. What? No. No, they cut Take Me Back to Manhattan. Oh, that's fine. I love that song. I mean, I like that song, but I'm not like... Okay. We'll we'll talk. But why would you cut Blow Gabriel Blow? Did they really cut Blow Gabriel Blow? I think so because Billy loves Anything Goes and he doesn't know Blow Gabriel Blow, which is because I think no. he No. I know. I was the Heaven Hop in it? Hold on. <laughs> I'm looking. The we'll Heaven Hop. We'll talk about hop. this another time. <laughs> oh my God, okay. Oh wait, Blow Gabriel Blow is in the Sutton Foster version. 
Why Had doesn't Billy know Blow Gabriel Blow? But Public Enemy number one isn't, is it? Is it? It has to be. It's so integral to the plot. I know. But you can also, like, put that in the book. Ah! It's in the revival. Okay. Phew. In, ah, it is not in the Patti Lapone revival. Is I Get a Kick Out of You in it? So that's complicated because I'm getting the Frank Sinatra version, the Tony Bennett Lady Gaga version, yeah. the Ella Fitzgerald yeah. version, but I, Dina Washington, um, but I am seeing Ethel Merman, Sutton Foster, Patti Lapone. Billy okay. Holiday, Cole Perder, Michael Bublé, Dolly Parton. My God, this song gets covered so much. It's a great song. It's like a classic. It's a great song. It's a really good one. I just always wondered because it's like, we did this in high, so spoiler alert, I was in Anything Goes. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. But we did this as a high school musical and it's like, they're, like the, this, this girl from high school is singing, I get no kick from cocaine, but if I took even just one sniff, like, I'm like, also, as a grown, like, I didn't I didn't like think about it as a yeah, kid, yeah. but like as a grown up, I'm like, well, for a Catholic high school. Right. Also, like, get better cocaine. <laughs> you should be getting the kick, girl. <laughs> like Girly Reno Sweeney's supposed to be like that girl, and it's like right. Reno Sweeney can't even get good coke. <laughs> it's like Reno Sweeney's like, meanwhile, perceived as like the biggest loser because it's like Reno thinks she's like having a good time. She doesn't know nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the traders. Uh, show, uh, so let's just talk about the round table a little bit, shall we? My favorite yeah. part of the traders, because uh, this one was interesting because the names on the table are basically Brandy, Kate, and Michaels. So they're really putting all their eggs into like this basket of like this feud between Michael, this random man, and the two Bravo. What do you call them? Bravo celebrities. Mm, I love hearing you Is that say the that. term. Yes, yes, and I think that. Part of the reason why I get the sense that like things are about to pop off and why I think, and I think you had actually said this to me before I began the journey where it's like, you said US takes a little longer to get started. I definitely sense that because to the detriment of these first four episodes, there were no other people in contention at all. Mm -hmm. There was no one else. I mean, having Kyle finally mentioned at the end of episode four was the first time someone else was introduced into the fold and what no one has yet said, but again, not trying to find logic where there is none, but like that note that Stephanie found, like what was that intended to like give away? Like Kate didn't lose her cool for a reason because she was like, yeah, we were writing down people that we thought were faithfuls. Like you thought you got me, (laughs) but you didn't. And so, and what? Like now what? And okay, like, wait a second, because you bring up the note, and I forgot to mention it, because um, we've been flying all over the place, but the <laughs> note is so important, because it's so funny how Brandy and Kate approach this, that they're like, we need to, let, we, let's just like brainstorm who the traitors might be. They're already on the same page. They believe the traitors are Michael, Sari, and Christian, which is pretty good. They've got two out of the three completely correct and how they landed on christian i don't know i mean i kind of do know because he's an idiot but okay that's fine but they're like let's write <laughs> like let's write this down and the second you see that pen and paper come out you're like oh this is this is gonna become something like i i sensed it in my gut and and, and instead of writing down who they think the traders are they just start writing down names and so they're like, well, uh, Shelby, uh, no, cross that out. Write murder for no particular reason. Uh, Amanda, okay. And then and then they're done. Then, then that exercise is over. So they only have two names on the piece of paper. One is crossed out. The word murder is written on there. It's almost like, if I didn't know any better, like, this is scripted. Okay, so they fold up the piece of paper, right? They go into the round table. They have this heated round table where they're sort of like Michael's calling out Brandy and Kate. Kate's calling out Kate and Brandy are calling out Michael. Um, And they're not bringing up any of these other names. This is what I think is interesting is that Brandy and Kate believe that Sari and, and Christian are both traitors. And they, in fact, are. Why not throw one of those names out there? If the heat is on you, like people are like, it's Brandy or it's Kate. And they're like, well, it's Michael. And if if that's not, if people aren't buying that, then maybe try something else. Right. And I understand that like perhaps 
you know, to your point about like Sari and Ryan, like Sari might have, it seems like she has good relationships, but what about Christian? Like Christian seems like somebody you could easily throw under the bus. Totally. Where Sari might be a harder sell just because she kind of has these existing relationships. She has the Stephanie and Rachel thing going. And I think people probably just like her, but I feel like Christian, you could easily sell. I also feel like this is one of those things that will be interesting to look at in the next season of both the US and the UK because Cerise shares that similar quality with Amanda in that like no one would ever think it was this person because they have a really great social game and people are expecting in both seasons of the show that the traitor will be a lot more manipulative. Um, mm. Someone that's more obviously manipulative, I should say. And mm. so I'm interested going in just like, because, you know, it's like for a long time, people like Andrea and Amanda, I'm talking about the UK, um, weren't even in consideration. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious with season two if there will be people walking in with way more understanding that truly anyone, like someone like a Suri could very easily be a traitor. I just feel like people are more willing to believe that blindly that she's a faithful in the first season of a show like this than they might be later on. Yeah, agreed. And I think you start to those people that sort of hang back or follow other people's leads, like that's who I'm looking at moving forward. If I if I'm playing this game, that's who I'm looking at as potential traders. And yet that's also what I would want to do. I was just so gonna like say a fine it's line. complicated. Yeah, I think it can go either way. Um but I think the solve, not to get too season two minded, but I think the solve is to either go fully all stars or fully newbies. Um, and I'm I'm open to both. Um, but that I think I think they need to even the playing field with season mm. two. Yeah. Okay, so Brandy gets the most votes to leave. And it's a close one. Michael gets a lot of votes. Uh, Kate picks up a couple. And I think when Kyle votes, he calls out Azra, and by proxy, Amanda. There's also Amanda on this show, in case anybody didn't know. Um, that he's kind of like, I think, because he, he votes for Michael, and he says, I think we just need to get rid of some of these loud voices because a lot of people are hiding in the shadows, and they're not voicing their opinions, and I don't really like that. It's like, I, I don't know where they stand, and I need to know where they stand. And uh, I thought... That, that, that was an interesting thing to do, um, that he's still sort of like voting with the group more or less, but calling out the other normies that are kind of like hiding behind a shield like Michael. Which is like, I guess, obviously one way to play the game, but like this makes me think about Maddie early on in Traders UK constantly putting down Wilf's name, even though she knew it was her and her alone that was going to vote Wilf but she was kind of taking a stand and playing the game independently. Um, and so I'm surprised. I, I prefer that strategy where it's sort of like, I, I'm going to lead, I'm going to allow my convictions to sort of dictate how I play the game uh, versus just voicing my thoughts, but then ultimately yeah. going another way. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I also want to point out how dumb Christian is here because he votes, and I feel like he just plays this so wrong because he votes and he says, he says, I'm just not that smart, so I need to go with whatever the group is going to do. And I can't even remember which way he votes, but I think he might have voted for Michael. Um, But it's like somebody who's not smart doesn't have the self-awareness to know that they're not smart. Mm. They don't announce, I'm not, I'm the dumbest person here, and therefore I'm just following, uh, like, the leader. Dumb people don't do that. And so, like, you are coming off as a dumb person who thinks they're smart as a traitor playing dumb. That's how you're coming off, and that's what he's doing. Drives me nuts. I can't stand this guy. (laughs) Um, okay, so Brandy does get the most. I votes think and it's she is a banished. shame that, and and pardon me if people listening are like, okay, I've been enough with the UK comparisons. I think it's a shame though that in the case of someone like uh, Wilf, who I initially couldn't stand for a big chunk of the UK until I realized that like a lot of what I couldn't stand was like me misunderstanding his complexities. Mm. I am curious with Christian, I have doubts if there's that same complexity there. And I think it's really important in the casting of the traders. This is why I think Suri is such a great trader, is that 
whether you like them or not, you have to have a level of investment in them. That's why it's so fortunate that everything worked out the way it did in the Traders UK when, what was the first trader's name? Alyssa. Alyssa. So like, I do not think Alyssa had the complexity of like a television Mm. character necessary to like take her to the finish line. So we got rid of her. But Mm. like right now, I'm sort of like with this Christian guy, I... I feel like I have a full grasp of of who he is as a person and I'm not interested. Yeah. But that said, there was a period early on where I think I felt similarly about Wilf and then I grew to love him. I just don't see that happening with Christian, but then again, I didn't see it with Wilf, so maybe it will happen with Christian. Yeah. Okay, so this is where it gets really interesting because everybody gets up to have a drink, have a cocktail in the Interior Illusions Lounge. And Kate leaves behind the note on her chair. Again, the the circumstances around this are a little suspect, but Stephanie somehow, like, eagle-eyes spots, despite the fact that there's a table in her way, that this note has, like, quote-unquote, fallen out of Kate's skirt which is not quite the way it happened. And then Stephanie scoops up and, and, and grabs this note. Where in her skirt, is it a pocketed skirt? Or are we <laughs> meant like... to believe that she just like took the note and put it in her waistband? And again, I come back to the fact of like, even if, again, and this is what played out later in episode four, where it's like, all she had to do when they attempted to corner her was tell the truth, which she did, And then it was kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say that this this sort of like cliffhanger of Stephanie has a note and then she goes and shows it to Sari, her closest ally, who happens to be a traitor. And then what is Sari going to do with this information? Ultimately, she does nothing with the information. Um, But it is like that. This was the first moment in the Traitors US that I saw glimmers of greatness that I was like, okay, now we got something. Yeah, and credit to Stephanie LaGrosa for, like, activating. Oh, yeah. Like, and this is why I think Stephanie is bringing the Stephanie of season 10 Palau that we loved, which is that, like, and why Stephanie is a great casting choice for a show like this, which is that, and why someone like Kate kind of might not be, even though I understand the, I understand the observation that like Kate's making good TV. I don't think it's like iconography. Like I could really do without Kate on this show, but I understand that like there might be an interest in like having people like Kate who like have no interest in the game. sense another retraction coming. Why? (laughs) Wait, I'm I just, I just feel that Kate is really, really great. And that like, um, and not to say like how long or how short she stays, but I do feel like in the next round of episodes, probably you'll you'll start to f- see Kate's iconography. I certainly hope so. I think that what, what I'm trying to point out is like the difference between the yeah. two of them is that like Stephanie is so activated, whereas Kate's attitude yeah. thus far has just been like, well, I'm going to die. So I don't really give a fuck. And it's like, right. well, I need you to give a fuck and also recognize that the fact that Kate and this is why I don't even think you're giving a spoiler, which is that like the fact that Kate survived episode four indicates that Kate is in is going very far in this game um, because the spotlight was on her for a time. And I feel like one of the things about the show is like once the spotlight moves, like once it's on you, especially for a couple of rounds and it moves away, you're good because there are so many other people that need their moment in the spotlight. Mm. And especially when you get an extended moment like Kate got, it's kind of like, we had multiple opportunities where you were up for consideration and you didn't go. So like, honey, you are good. And like, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting take. And I feel like we should revisit that as we continue to watch. Cause there is something to that, that I think like how, how long, at what point do you want to be up for consideration? If you want to be up for consideration at all, how do you get out of it? If you get out of it, are you out of it? Uh, how do you keep that spotlight off you? How close do you want the spotlight to you? I do think there's a, because obviously like traders like to keep around people who have a spotlight on them. Um, you So, so the chances of you getting murdered are smaller, but you always risk taking those shots at the round table. And, yeah, so that's an interesting, I feel like that's an area of strategy that that may start to come into play in future seasons. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so ultimately the traitors end up just murdering Azra, 
which <laughs> Azra barely knew ya. Uh, again, just continuing the, uh, the the trail of confusion. So they're not taking advantage of this note, despite the fact that uh, Sari does share the information with Cody and Christian about this, and they have the opportunity to frame Kate. But again, it's like, why do that? Because the suspicion is already on Kate to just frame her as like essentially a ensuring that she would go home at the next round table and then where does that leave you you have sort of like no shields at that point so Mm. i feel like they did make the right move once again okay how many followers does azra falani have on instagram like 2200 she's got more Five thousand. she's got more Twenty thousand. she's got more no What's her engagement like? Oh, keep going. We're, we're on followers. 50,000. She's got more. Are you? Are we sure this is the same Azra? Oh, honey, we're sure. 75,000. She's got more. This isn't real. I'm serious. 000. No, I'm serious. I'm 100% serious. 100,000. More. 150. More. Am I getting close? Ish. 200. She's got 193,000 followers on Instagram. With regards to your question on engagement, that is not visible. <laughs> Probably for good reason. But I am just going to... Hold on. I'm going to encourage... Wait, anyone listening to this podcast, pause right now and go on Instagram and look up Azra Valani, V-A-L-A-N-I, and just take a peep at her feed. It is so specific and i just would love to know the casting director that saw this and thought we need her on the traders it's specific anyway right 193 followers rest in peace azra there's no post about the traders her 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 profile says it's yeah i know but there's no like she's not promoting that she's on a tv show. well judging from the looks of her feed she's got other things to promote she is following... Okay, she is following her traders, some of her traders' cast. Right. So, But she's also kind of busy making these poses, so I can understand why she wouldn't have time to follow the full cast. <gasps> she's Canadian. How do you feel about that? She has, her, she, has, she has one story posted right now, and it says, you can take the girl out of Canada, but you can't take Canada out of the girl. And she's holding a Mr. Big chocolate bar and Lay's ketchup chips. Some classically Canadian wow. snacks. Um, okay. I am going to read you a passage from her medium. This is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like going Megan to read almost. you an excerpt from... As Ravalani's first experience with public transportation in Los Angeles. It's a short story. I'm going to make it even shorter because I'm just going to read a little bit. But let me, uh, allow me, if, if, you, if I can. Los Angeles is not known for having a good public transportation system. Most people rely on their cars or rideshare services like Uber Lyft. But being from Toronto, public transit is the only way I like to get around. When I first landed in LA, I decided to use public transportation from LAX to my new apartment complex in Santa Monica. I hopped onto the three, a direct bus that takes you from the airport to the Santa Monica promenade. I immediately noticed some stark differences from what I was used to. It was cheap. It was cheap to ride. 125, excuse me, $1.25 cheap. That's half the price of what I was paying in Toronto. But with that came some not so pleasant differences. The buses in LA were much colder. The AC was on full blast, which I was not prepared for. And at this point, I am ducking out of this blog. But Azra, rest in peace. The poses? The poses? Like, what is that? Oh my god. But wait. Is Azra the most interesting character on the show that we just like weren't aware of? I can't believe she's from Toronto. Anyway, anyone that's not on Azra's Instagram, we will link to it on ours, but um Queen. I'm gagged. I thought I thought for sure in the link tree there was gonna be like a only it's giving OnlyFans. I know, that's why I was but surprised. But there's no OnlyFans. Maybe there's an OnlyFans. Okay, wow, Azra. I kind of wish she stuck around. Can you just, isn't it funny to imagine that this is the longest anyone has ever spent 
talking about Azra outside of people that know her. Like this is the longest her life will ever have been like considered by an outside source. To this day. Okay. Yeah. Not like ever. Will ever. Okay. Yeah. No, I wasn't making like, a Maybe she'll be on Survivor. Get her on Survivor. <laughs> she looks great in a bathing suit. You know what? You're not wrong. Yeah. Okay, so after breakfast, Stephanie is uh, starting her campaign against Kay, and she's revealing the note. Originally, it was like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this note. Like, I'm going to keep this between me and my ally, Sari. Uh, Then we get just, like, shot after shot of Stephanie entertaining groups of people being like, you'll never believe this note. And they're like, where's the note? And she's like, well, Sari's got the note. And then Sari's giving the note to Kyle. It's getting passed around, like, the the jeans in the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I think it was a gene. I think it's a gene. Missed that one. I think I would like that, but I missed it. The film. The film, yeah. Or the book. I'm not reading the book. Yeah, I'm not reading that book either. No. Such an unexpected role for Blake Lively. It's true, <laughs> though, right? Unexpected roles for Blake Lively. Yeah, that's true. Get her on the Traitor season two. <laughs> well, how cool would it be, though, if they got, like, legitimate celebrities like for the first time on something like this that would be amazing. kind of like and i'm talking even bigger than like a dancing with the stars but if they like no, were we're able to get like Alan sarah Cumming. michelle geller goes home exactly. and she watches the traders and she's like i want to do this it's low stakes it's on peacock if, it, if i blow it nobody's gonna who's really gonna see it like evan ross Katz, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> now interestingly enough with the poster for the sisterhood of the traveling pants 2 no pants because the first cover of the first movie is the back pocket of a pair of jeans ostensibly yeah. the titular you know pants the pants sisterhood of the traveling pants 2 which by the way wouldn't you expect like a colon like something yeah like sure. back in back in the jeans or something <laughs> Back in denim, or I don't know, whatever. Anyway, but this cover, four faces, no jeans. What would the colon? Well, you have a long title with Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah. Belted up. (laughs) Or like, um... Uh, Like, like, uh, feet first. (laughs) Oh my god. uh, Button up. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Or button Button down. Uh, No, it's for kids. (laughs) <laughs> wait, maybe. Wait, what's her name? The Zip person. It. Who, wait, what's the person we were just talking about? Azra. Azra. Her. Her. Her version would be buttoned I love how we're like just assuming she's like an OnlyFans her because she contorts her body. Oh She's my God, like I'm sisterhood sorry. of the traveling pants, <laughs> pants off, or like no pants, drop trow. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Oh my God! Okay, <laughs> sisterhood of the traveling pants, lost in L.A. Yeah, tr- yeah, <laughs> with the cold. Well, AC. pants are lost in L.A. Yes, yeah, pants. <laughs> because because she was wearing them and the bus ha- the AC was so, so cold, cold she was like, she was not I, anticipating it and she was, she was like, like, like I have to take off. these pants off and wrap myself in them around <laughs> my shoulders <laughs> okay okay I don't know if I have the okay so or, stupid uh, okay so stupid <laughs> okay oh my god wait we're talking about the traitors wait, sorry but wait this lends itself <laughs> to my theory that this is the longest that anyone has ever spent yet <laughs> talking about Hazra. We've yeah. literally canonized her on the traders in these last 10 minutes. She's actually iconic. <laughs> yeah. Like if you really think about it, she's actually that's uh, her Instagram is iconography. It is. And I can oh. only imagine her engagement is like 75% of her yeah. following. Should we have her on the podcast? Absolutely. I'm going to DM her right I'm going to ask around Toronto. Who knows Azra? Yeah. Who knows Azra? I'm going to have to go to like Laval to find out. But okay. <laughs> if you were from Toronto, that would be a really funny joke. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So Kyle's got the note. Kyle has got the the traveling note. And what I found really interesting was that he's like, this is definitely Kate's handwriting because this is something that came to mind is that, and I think that you pointed this out in a text message to me or Billy did. And uh, that they were like, look at Ceri's handwriting on the, on the murder notices. Not that anybody sees those, I guess, but like, I would be nervous about the handwriting because as we know from the UK, you can recruit somebody. Let's mm. assume that's going to come into play in the US. I don't know how Kyle knows what Kate's handwriting looks like, but he's pretty confident about it. And so if he knows what her handwriting looks like, is it possible that he would recognize either her handwriting or somebody else's handwriting as the trader's handwriting? Much to consider. Mm. Okay. Uh, which mission are they playing here? Oh, this is the wheel mission. Don't care. Talked about it. Really nothing to say. They ha- They just like, it came too early. They figured out a way to hack it, which was just answer Michael for everything. So they kind of took the, uh, actually, Sari would be familiar with this approach in which they just answered Courtney for everything in Panama. Um, they should have asked who's the biggest poser. That would have been a good one. Um, okay. Pre-round table. Kyle is kind of turning his eye towards Stephanie and Sari. And I thought that this was clever because I, I don't know why anybody else isn't thinking about this. I guess Brandy and Kate did, but he was kind of like, they. there has to be a strong female celebrity trader. And he was like, I feel like it's Sari. To some people, he said Stephanie, but he was talking to Stephanie about Sari. And, and Stephanie's like, it is not Sari. I know Sari. Which I think is a testament to Ceri's gameplay. Oh, absolutely. But also a testament, too, to someone like Stephanie's lack of understanding of the game. Well, yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. We did because see it's like she still has that conviction grass. where it's like, in Stephanie's mind, she's like, Ceri's not a liar, so it couldn't be Ceri. And it's like, yeah, but that's if Ceri is a... Yeah, sure. If, Ste- if I'm saying everything here, you know. But yeah. it's like, yes, Stephanie's just not using the logic of even though Suri is not a liar in life, this game forces people that aren't liars to lie. That's the basis of it. But I got to say, like, we're seeing a tight bond between all three of our snake in the grass ladies because Rachel is right there with them at the dinner buffet that nobody's eating. Um, they're sitting there and like having their discussions and Rachel seems just as convinced that she is talking to two faithfuls as as Stephanie is. So I do feel like there's there's some credit to be given to Sri. It's not all Stephanie's dodo behavior. True. Okay, at the round table, uh, they immediately raised the issue of the note, which apparently had not gotten back to Kate, despite the fact that the entire house had talked about it. And I love, I just love the way that Kate played this off, where they 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 raised the note. Stephanie and Kyle described the whole thing. Kyle pulls out the note; it's all very dramatic. And Kate's like, "Yeah, it looks bad." Uh, and then they managed to just like move it on to Michael. She's kind of like, "What about Michael?" And uh, Michael, I feel like, really shoots himself in the foot here when it comes out that he he's like thanking this guy this new character quentin for like standing up for him that he's a faithful for sure and he's like i just want to thank you if i go tonight i just want to thank you for that and then kyle's like you just told me right before this round table that you thought that quentin was a traitor so i felt like that really sealed the deal and uh, michael is banished but of course he is 100 percent faithful sure Um, And I think similarly to Brandy's boot in the episode before, it was like, again, I feel like we we got rid of a lot of dirty laundry in these these two episodes. Clean slate. I feel like both of them needed to go. We had reached the end of the road and sort of our are they, aren't they? Especially from the perspective of us as audience members knowing that they're both faithful. It's sort of like watching an entire group of people uniformly get behind the wrong people. That can only last for so many episodes. Mm -hmm. So... The worst case scenario, and thankfully I'm confident this does not happen, but would be had they gone for Kate in episode five, it would have just been like, okay, like we're like veering into like strange, like anticlimactic pagonging pagonging territory. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of which, we have to finish our Pornia recap. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot going on. But yeah, I feel like everything that happened uh, with the in, in the clock tower, if you will, between Suri and Cody and Christian really set us up for the beginning of what I think will be an exciting arc because Suri asserted her... Yeah. Not only dominance, but her willing to play a higher level game than the one that's currently going on in the house. Yeah. This this calling out uh, Cody for potentially having an outside the yeah, castle I mean, relationship with Ryan, which is like possible. They're both big brother alum. But in like classic traders form, it's like, even if they do, it doesn't. Yeah. matter like it doesn't benefit coat like let's say that they do want know one another and let's even go further and say that they have some sort of alliance where like cody wants to keep like it doesn't benefit cody to keep ryan in it could benefit him to keep him in because maybe ryan's someone that would never accuse cody like sure we're just not at a point where that would like really matter or like um, very, very like a very soft benefit is that Ryan is bringing information to Cody that he hears, right? So like it just it increases the sources that Cody can right. But then it's like couldn't with, couldn't with Cody from. be like you have a relationship with totally Rachel exactly? And Stephanie well, I think outs- that I think that that's what's brilliant about it is she, she's accusing him of this totally like we don't even know if it's real or not and by all accounts it's not like we haven't we've seen no relationship between right. them but it's like by bringing this up I don't know she's almost like distracting from the fact that she has two really close allies doing exactly what she's accusing like Cody of doing with Ryan right and not for nothing it's like Cody's really losing his cool in this moment. So like it's working like this is again to Suri's credit about sort of like her interpersonal relationships. It's like, she's able to say something like this cool as a cucumber and really rattle him. Instead. He could just be like, no Suri. Like I truly don't know this guy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. And like the discussion would end there. Right. It's like, she accused him of something. He corrected the record because it's not true. But instead, he gets super catatonic. Which then, if I'm Suri, I'm kind of like, is there a way to like use this to my advantage? I mean, it's just very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay, that is it for episodes three and four of The Traitors. We will be back for five and six. We also have a very big Survivor interview coming that will be out on the main feed either at the end of this week or early next week. It will be up for patrons early. We are recording that tomorrow. Very excited for that. If you want to check out what we're doing over on Patreon, we will be finishing our Borneo rewatch finally. Uh, But also keep an eye out on the main feed for my recaps of Australian Survivor Heroes vs. Villains with Ricard. He will be joining me once again to recap that season of television. It's going to be a long one. Very excited (laughs) sort of for that. Don't forget to keep the comment section spoiler free. Yes, actually, there's a better use of the comment section this week. So sometimes we do the emoji. This week, can we just hashtag justice for Azra? Yes, I'd love that. Hashtag justice for Azra. (laughs) We're actually, this is why we're such good friends, but like, we're deranged. Oh, truly. But like, at least we're on the same level about it. But like, this is like... It's so sad. But honestly, sad is the new happy. And that makes me happy. So yeah. justice for us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.